everyone. Welcome to episode two of the podcast, The Stories Women Tell. Um, I'm Darcy Hendrickson, and today I'm interviewing Kimber. Kimber and I have known each other for quite a long time. Um, I've been lucky enough to know her, and uh, recently we've really gotten in touch again because we live on two opposite ends of the country. She's from Memphis, and I'm in Oregon, but when we knew each other, we were both in the same area and worked for the same company. Um, Kimber's going to be talking about, you know, how to move on after life sort of derails what you were planning on doing, and I think that's important for a lot of us because we can get stuck in a, in a phase where you just can't move on, and she kind of talks about how she was able to do it, and then what her plan is for the future. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, this is Darcy. Welcome to my stories, the stories women tell. And today I'm interviewing um, Kimber. And Kimber and I work together doing our own podcast called The Lost Girls. And so we thought it would be fun to interview her for my, the one that I do by myself or the one I, I also do, which is the stories women tell. So Kim. Hello, everyone. So Kim, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I was born and raised in Vancouver, Washington, and um, I lived there most of my life with the exception of about four and a half years on the East Coast for my job, and three, the last three and a half years in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm an only child, and my parents are both gone. I am divorced and single. And single. I, You know, out of our podcast that we do together, the most shocking thing I discovered about you in our last podcast was the fact that you used to be a clown. <laughs> Yes, yes, that was, <laughs> I can't believe you never knew that. It was not for very long, but it was through my church, my youth group when I was 13, 14, and I don't think it was when we were 15. It was my best friend's mom who was our youth director. It was her bright idea. I love her to death, but this idea was not the brightest for us to do a clown ministry to children. And uh, we went to Seaside as a group of teenagers, and um, we made balloons and talked to the kids on the beach. Like you walked up to them dressed as clowns? Yes, we did. (laughs) Okay. This was back in the day when you didn't have to be so afraid of teenagers, I guess. Because, you know, we weren't adults. If we were adults, it would have been one thing. You know, you don't want some creepy ass adult clown coming up to your kid and talking to them. But when there's, you know, teenagers and they look pretty unassuming, even though they are dressed as clowns, they come up and, you know, make, make balloon animals for your kids and tell them all about Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and your signature balloon animal 
that also was pretty hilarious to me. It was awesome, as a matter <laughs> of fact. And I don't know if I can remember how to make it, but mine was the most complicated out of all of them. It was a parrot in a hoop using one balloon. Wow. Huh? Yep, I was talented. <laughs> Don't ask me why I chose a parrot and a hoop. What kid wants a parrot and a hoop? So I assume you were probably in choir growing up because you have such a beautiful singing voice, right? Oh, thank you. Yes, I was. I sang in church um, when they would let me. And uh, I was in choir. I even had a special um, uh, independent study music class my senior year. Oh. Yeah. Um when I knew you and when you when we were hanging out here I always remember you singing the me and Bobby McGee song in fact I think that's was just so beautiful I just it just always has stuck in my brain I just love that song thank you that is not my favorite song that I sing but uh everybody has their favorite like my cousin's best friend Shauna she loves it when I sing um Oh, God, what is that song? Um, it's by Bonnie Tyler. We're living in a powder keg and getting off sparks. What is that? I can't think of the name of the song right now. Is it like Hold Back Time or something like that? No, it's, um, you know, the turnaround song. Every now oh, and then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of it. Everybody knows that song. It's from the 80s, but that's her favorite song. And then Greg Vidiello. God rest his soul. He, uh, his favorite was when I sang um, The Glory of Love by Bette Midler. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he loved it when I sang that song. So everybody has a favorite. Um, your favorite was also an ex-boyfriend's favorite when I would sing that song. So Yeah, I think because I think when you listen to you sing, it's like you find the one that you also just like that song in general. And then you that's yeah. your, what you really like. Yeah, and then a lot of people like it when I do Evanescence, My Immortal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I I love singing, and I don't get to do it very often here because, weird, we're like, you would think, you think Memphis, you think music. And we um, do not have a lot of karaoke places around here. And if they do do karaoke, they don't start till like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. When you turn into a uh, bed need to go to bed first yeah it's my pumpkin time <laughs> yeah makeup off laying in bed watching tv trying to go to sleep that's not what i'm gonna be out singing but you know i don't know it's weird maybe we should get you to sing a little theme song for our podcast <laughs> Um, I could, I could do a version of cry a little sister or something. I would be interesting. Let's ponder that. Yeah, let's do that. So, um, you lived in Portland or the Vancouver, Portland area until when did you move? Um, well, I started traveling for work and so moving from place to place in 2000, uh, 1999. And then, no, I'm sorry, it was 2000. And then I moved to Memphis, Tennessee in October of 2015, and I've been here since. And I have yet to make it down there to visit you. 
It's on my list. Yes. Yes. I do need people to come down here because people down here are crazy. So (laughs) I need some good old fashioned home crazy, not, not shoot you up on the freeway crazy. Have you ever noticed when you live somewhere that you're not, um, it doesn't quite gel with you. Like I felt like that when I was at a certain college, I went to Western Oregon state college for a while. And while I really liked the people that I went to school with, I just really didn't feel comfortable going to school there, if that makes any sense. And I didn't like living there either. So yeah. I felt like I was fighting that all the time. I've, I've been, I've been there. Um, Atlanta, Atlanta was horrible. I, yeah. I, it I it just was awful work was awful the people that I not my group of people but the people that we went into and and were trying to uh consult they were awful but I'll tell you I got off the plane in New York and I walked onto the street at two o'clock in the morning and and I felt at home and the angels sang the 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 earth opened up and it was yeah it was the best place (laughs) Yeah, I think something like New York, though, you really have to have a really good plan to move there because I think you could go south pretty quickly if it's you don't, you know, have a good neighborhood you're living in or a good salary to be able to pay the rent. And Yeah, well, at the time, um, I had moved. I was in New York in 2003, and then I got taken off that contract and put on Colorado. And at that time, Sherry Smith and I were talking about moving into an apartment together in Brooklyn. And we had, this was in 2004. And we had started plans because at that time I could be based anywhere mm-hmm. um, in the nation. So at that time we were looking at Brooklyn and there was a two or three bedroom for $1,500 at that time. No, it was t- 2004. And I'm sure it's probably $3,000 now, but at the time with both of us, it would have been fine. We could swing it. And then my mom, um, she got sick one day. She went to the hospital on Friday and she died on Tuesday. And yeah. I, I was working for a company, um, our company that Darcy and I used to work for. They were wonderful people. Mm-hmm. We were bought by another company. And the other company was all about the bottom line and the dollar sign. And when I was on bereavement, they said, well, you're on bereavement and we need someone in Colorado. So we're taking you off the Colorado contract. And then I was called off of my bereavement to come into the office and have a meeting with my boss and her boss. And I was told over the phone that, um, since I couldn't be on the Colorado contract, someone had taken my place that I had three weeks left with the company and I was being laid off because there was nowhere for me to go. And we really hope that you appreciate what we're doing for you. So you don't sell our secrets. <laughs> three days after my mom passed away. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I can't. It's, it's really interesting to me, you know, when you work for a good company and then when you work for one that sort of treats you as disposable, it's, 
so dramatically different. And yeah. And and the thing was, is, is, you know, there were a couple of different things that went on and, and whatever they, they pretty much, as you well know, phased out most of, of uh, the old group and used their group. Yeah. Um, you know, Sean, who I am still, you know, just, she's one of my best friends. She was going to quit and go to nursing school. And she said, well, when Kim's ready to come back, she can just take my position because I'm quitting anyway. Just lay me off. You know, I'll just leave because she was quitting to go to nursing school and they wouldn't do it. And it's fine. And, and, you know, I gave many years and I worked, I worked an average of 80 hours a week for this company. And I was a workaholic and, Mm -hmm. you know, get up in the morning, six o'clock work all day go out to dinner, come back, work until about two o'clock and then start it all over again. And it really, you know, while I loved the job, it was turning into something I wasn't going to love because of the company. And I have a friend who was working for the company up until last year. And she was diagnosed with breast cancer and they laid her off after after 15 years. So um, they've done it before and and I'm sure they'll continue to do it. And my life went down a different track. Sometimes I wonder what would happen if I was still there, but. You know, it it is what it is. Everything happens for a reason. And now I get to be at work at 730 and I get to leave at four. And um, I don't have to work at home. Yeah. Which is nice. So, um, you know, it's, I was off work for a year, for 50 weeks. Because everywhere I applied, they would say I was overqualified and I would leave. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was unemployed for 50 weeks. It was a, almost a whole year. I know when I was let go from that company, you know, during that time, you know, we, as a group, we kind of coped with it in an interesting way. I always look back at that time because we would do the Friday night drink session where whoever got their walking papers that week you know sort of toast them goodbye kind of thing and it was interesting for me because I had never I'd always found a job before I left to go to another job and it was really weird for me because I was off for I think it was like two and a half months or so and then I found another job and I felt like I went from the frying pan into the fire from that job. So it wasn't a good fit for me, but I was just going to take whatever just to yeah. have a job. You kind of have to, because if you're a responsible adult, you, you take what you can get. Right. Um, and I was taking, I was working temp jobs for three different agencies. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was nuts. And, and it, it's just, I've never understood you're overqualified. If I'm willing to take what you're willing to pay me 
and I'm willing to do the job and you see that I'm a good employee, take it, abuse it, use it. You know, the person, I'm, I was underqualified to work at Olive Garden. I've never been a waitress before. I, I couldn't even get hired at a restaurant. I've, I've never had experience. So I had all of this operations experience from receptionist, banking, I mean, all kinds. I have an extensive background in different, you know, business platforms. And um, they weren't willing to, to take me for, you know, even though I was willing to go. And it just has never made sense to me. I think um, when that happens, it's that they're so short-sighted. Because if you really are, you know, change is constantly happening in your workplace and people get stuck on this role, you know, that they think that they need to fill. So either they're trying to replace somebody exactly how they were, you know, that was last filling that position or they have such just a box like role for somebody when really where I've always been most successful is a job where I can go into it. And maybe, you know, it could be boring up front, but then I have that flexibility to grow it into a different type of position. And I love that kind of role. Yeah, because I'm the kind of person that if you hire me, because I was applying for receptionist and admin and all kinds of things. And if you hire me as a receptionist, you can give me a lot of extra work. I can take on, I can take directive and I can take on extra work and, um, you know, it just, it, I don't know. It was very frustrating at the time. And that's why I've been with my current company for um, almost nine years. So, Even yeah, it's not my favorite, but you know, it's a steady paycheck. They don't lay people off. So, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's a way to make a means, not a, not a life anymore. I've always wanted to find a job. I read a book about, you know, how to retire early or whatever. And it was also, it was called like making a living while making a life kind of deal. You know, that you love your job so much that it's everything that you wanted to do. And I guess I've kind of always had that in my mind when I think about jobs is that, you know, you could work forever, but it has to be so make you so happy to go to work is, that it doesn't feel like work for you. And I don't know very many people that have that situation. You know, before I got laid off um, with the with the operations consulting job, I loved it. I loved my job. It was constantly changing. I didn't have to answer the phone. I despise talking to people on the phone. I hate talking to customers on the phone. Um, I hate it. And I didn't have to do that. I wrote, you know, in the beginning, the majority of my day was writing um, policies and procedures and operations manuals. And I loved it. I loved it. And um, I would, you know, love to get back into that. But it's been so long since I've done it. It's been well, it's been nine years. Hmm. Interesting. 
So if anyone knows of a job out there where, you know, I can make money not having to talk to anybody and just writing manuals, hit me up. (laughs) Well, on that note, let's take a quick break um, and then we'll come back and get started again. Okay. Hey everyone, this is Darcy. In case you weren't aware, in addition to the podcast you're currently listening to, I work on two other podcasts, The Lost Girls and Safety, The Future is Female. In The Lost Girls, my co-podcaster Kimber and I discuss anything vampire and supernatural related, and we review highly rated horror movies with our own spin. In Safety, The Future is Female, My co-podcaster Carly and I are creating a network of safety professionals with a nod to the growing number of women in the safety field. We interview women with various safety backgrounds and get their take on the future in safety. I would love it if you would join my audiences for my additional podcasts. You can find them on Apple, Google, and Spotify, and many other podcasting platforms. Thank you. All right, everybody, we're back from our quick break. Thanks for staying with us. All right, Kim. So um, when I approached you about doing our podcast, what did you, what were your initial thoughts? I was excited, but a little um, hesitant because I had never done it before. And um, I felt like that old person trying to learn technology. Oh, yeah. yeah, I thought, okay, well, I really hope people like it. Um, I'll be a little sad if they don't like it, but who cares? It's not like we're, we have to be successful at it. You know, that's well. my whole thing. Well, no, see, my whole, I, I am obsessive compulsive and ADHD. So I have to tell myself I don't have to be successful and then that I'm okay. And then I'm free to run the reins and, and just do whatever. But if I tell myself that I have to, you know, it's a make or break situation, then, then it just gets crazy. So for me, I, of course, I, I have lots of brilliant ideas, you know, and then sometimes I just truly believe that if I keep plucking at it, it's going to work out. And I feel that way about podcasting for whatever reason. One day I woke up and I'm like, I'm going to start doing podcasts. I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know even what I was going to talk about or anything, but I just literally woke up one morning and decided that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Awesome. Which is really funny. I mean, like, it's, it's really, people are like, how do you even do a podcast? Like, it's so foreign to them or something. It's really interesting, the reaction people give you. Well, that's kind of the reaction I had. It was like, oh, okay, well, I've never, I had never even listened to a podcast to this day. The only podcasts I've listened to is uh, this one, The Stories Women Tell, and ours. Yeah, they're the only ones I've ever listened to. So I need to start listening to some more, but um, I just never have. I know Robert has has he's listened to podcasts for years. Yeah, for me, it's just 
this connection with other people that's it's really interesting i there's so many different types of podcasts out there and it's just so cool that you know these platforms are available and they're really free in a sense you know yeah yeah it's 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 pretty awesome that it's it's awesome to find people out there that think the way you do and see the world your way yeah because you yeah. don't always find that in in the real reality world walking around where you live it's true i i'm surprised so podcasts have been such a part of my life I think I'm probably like Robert as well that I've been listening to him for quite a while now but it's always shocking to me like when I was talking with you and you're like I've never listened to a podcast yeah I just I just never have it's never been you know music is a huge part of my life so I just got your package by the way the mailman just knocked on the door oh how exciting I know I'm not going to open till after the podcast but it just got here. So that's why uh, my sound audio has probably changed a little bit. Yeah, we yep. heard a creepy door opening sound. <laughs> that was my creepy door. That was my <laughs> creepy front door. And uh, it sounds like that because of the humidity. Oh. I'm not sure if you realize this, but paint never dries here. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it gets so humid that... If you shut my bathroom doors and it's a humid day and you open it later, it will peel the paint. Weird. Yeah. And I made this decision to move here. I made it myself. Did you go to that area before you decided? I had never been to Tennessee until the day that I drove in with my best friend oh. to, pick, to get my apartment. Boy, that is like a huge leap. To do something like that. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, I, it doesn't, it didn't scare me. It, it excites me. Yeah. To go somewhere new. Um, it never scares me. I've never, I've never been scared to go to a new city by myself. I was actually just having this conversation last night with someone. I'm never afraid to just get in the car and go somewhere and get lost I'm never afraid to like go move to a new place and and check it out now I, I don't this isn't my favorite place to have lived it's not horrible um, there's a lot of crime but it um, it has gotten worse so it wasn't this bad before yeah um, it's gotten worse but I mean it's gotten worse everywhere it's it's horrible here um, it's, it's really, really bad. Um, but it's getting worse everywhere. Not this bad. But. So I think that's, um, do you remember when we were, when like we took our trip up to Seattle and you would talk with a British accent? Yes, <laughs> of course I do. But the, the accent gets better the more um, <laughs> alcohol I have. See, it's not really very good right now because I only had a drink last night and I haven't had anything today. <laughs> There's nothing in my coffee. Um, I do have some schnapps in the fridge I could put in there, but it's not so good today. 
to me, that's kind of like you moving to a new city because we went and we pretended to be different people up in Seattle. And that was like the funniest weekend ever. That was fun. That, that was fun. And I miss that. And I don't have anybody to do that here with. Because <laughs> everybody here looks at you like, oh, what, what is, what are you doing? Well, my boss, my boss is a dork and he will do he'll do the accents and stuff and he'll just talk to anybody in the world. And, um, he's like the only person that is a goofball like that down here. And, um, like I sent somebody that, did you see that horrible picture I posted on? Yes. Okay. If you have a, if you have a page for this podcast, I do, you can post that picture. So people know what I'm talking about. I think it's hilarious. It's a Snapchat filter, and I look like a lunatic, and it's my favorite Snapchat filter, and I sent it to somebody, and the, and the only response was, oh, my God. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Only response. And I'm like, really? Meanwhile, this guy that I work with, we were doing those filters, and I was taking pictures of him, and we were laughing so hard, we almost peed our pants. Yeah. But he's not from here. So people here need to loosen up. <laughs> Do some funny Snapchat filters. We did the same thing we did because um, it was during our outage at work and we were working long days, like we three weeks with only two days off and peppered in. And we all like sit around and take lunch together and we were doing the Snapchat filters that would turn women into men and men into women. And we were like <laughs> all of us doing this in the, and we're all sitting there. And my boss is just like he he thought it was funny for a little bit, but then we were all just over the top with it, right? And playing with the filters and making weird faces, and you could tell he was just like, really, <laughs> okay. I <laughs> oh, see my boss will pose. He'll was, he'll pose like a model, like first pose, second pose, third pose. Come <laughs> on, he, take, he twerks in the office. I mean, he's, he's a lunatic. Oh my gosh, it's fun when you have somebody at work that you can do that kind of stuff with. Yeah, and lucky enough, our group is there's ten of us in the office, and for the most part, we all get along and can do that kind of stuff. So I'm lucky that way, you know. Yeah. But it yeah. definitely makes the work day better if you have somebody like that. It does. Unfortunately, um, for the majority of my working life, I am in an office alone all day. So um, it is really nice when I do have somebody in there during the day that I can actually talk to and, and, and be stupid with. And I do have to say, the person that I sent that picture to is a police officer, so... The sense of humor is not quite as dorky as the rest of us would be, but I expected a little more than, oh, my God, you know, like, that's ridiculous, something. But, you know, I digress. Well, I sent the picture of me looking like a man to my husband, and he's just like, okay. <laughs> I had a picture looking like a man with red lipstick and pearls. <laughs> I sent it to my my niece. Sent me a picture of her, and I sent that picture to her, and she thought that was hilarious. Oh, and and cat wing eyeliner as well. So, 
I was See, a fabulous man. That's the cool thing about technology now. I mean, you just can do so much fun stuff just goofing around yeah. or whatever. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, I have a couple questions for you. All right. Um, if you won a million dollars today or somebody gave you a million dollars, what would be the first thing you'd do? Well, I'd quit my job. Would you travel? Yeah, I would. Um, well, a million dollars isn't what it used to be. So right. if it was a million dollars, I would probably quit my job and I'd find a place back home. And then I would take the trip of a lifetime and spend maybe thirty, fifty thousand dollars on this trip. Um, it would be going to several different places, um, India being one, Cuba mm-hmm. being another. Um, and then I would come home, and then I would get a job. But I would probably, I, I say move home, which would be back to the Pacific Northwest, and I probably would. I don't know if it would necessarily be Portland or Vancouver, um, but but uh, it would be somewhere over there, most likely. Yeah. Now, if it was more than a million dollars. As in $100 million, I would never work again. I would buy a home that I could have um, a home base, and then I would travel. I would travel. I'd probably never – I'd go to that home base maybe once a year. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we we debate that at work because, you know, we actually have examples of somebody that's won like a million dollars and, you know, how quickly that money goes, you know, so we were all talking when it was that big jackpot, we all chipped in and did a group ticket, you know, and we were thinking, you know, you'd have to at least get 30 million to be able to leave your job and not really have to worry about money for a while if you lived normally right if you were over the top yeah that that probably still especially with rising medical costs you know you'd probably you could probably burn through that money too quickly we've had a few people that i've heard of in tennessee that that i know people and they know the people that won and um, one of them won a million dollars and one of them won $10 million. And the one who won a million dollars, he um, bought a new used truck. And at the restaurant where he goes all the time, he tips five, $10 now every time instead of five. Hmm. And he still works. Everything else in his life is the same. He has not changed anything else. Still works, still, you know everything the one who won 10 million dollars he works but he only works for insurance Hmm. he only has a job for his insurance so he has a low level um no responsibility job and he just shows up every day for that uh health insurance interesting Mm -hmm. what is that a sad reflection of benefit plans in our in our country i think Don't get me started on that because I could go, I can, I can talk on that for days and days and days. That is a very sore subject for me. Yeah, me too. I'm, 
I am of the mind that serious overhaul needs to be done because even like employer supposedly Cadillac plans basically are really high level. They, you still end up paying so much out of pocket for healthcare. It's craziness. I pay so much out of pocket for healthcare. I pay my, my deductible every month or not my deductible, but I pay my payment every month. And then I have yet one year when I had my gallbladder removed, did I meet my deductible for the year? Yeah. Every other year I have to pay $200 out of pocket every time I go to the doctor. Yeah. It's interesting, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to get political in this uh, podcast because I'll probably get crazy people (laughs) (laughs) commenting about people's own personal beliefs. So yeah. (sighs) (laughs) So, um, you have pets, right? I do. I have two cats. I have a 15-year-old old lady named Anastasia, and I have a rotten one-year-old named Rasputin. Oh. Rasputin. Mm-hmm. He was the downfall of the Romanov family. So, you know, he's the bane of Anastasia's existence, so he had to be Rasputin. Did you uh, watch the Romanovs on A&E? Or on, um, not A&E, Amazon? I have not, actually. I have thought about it, but I have not. Oh, my gosh. If I could tell you one thing, it's to watch that show. Okay. So interesting. Because every time I go, oh, well, I don't have anything right now um, that's piquing my interest, so maybe I will start it. Uh, Something, the new season comes on of something Mm -hmm. else. So I get sidetracked, that OCD. I mean, sorry, ADHD. What I was thrown off is that in that series, I hope they do a second season, but uh, each episode is a different person's story. So I was thrown off by that because you're so, we're, I think we're so trained now with um, series that, you know, we can binge watch and, you know, do the whole thing. So it was different. It was different. And, my husband actually came in while I was watching one and he sat around and watched the episode with me, which is normally he does not like most of the stuff that I like. So it was, it, it's a really good series. Okay. I'll have, to, I'll have to watch it then. And the opening sequence, they play a Tom Petty song. It's like one of the few Tom Petty songs that I like, but um, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I, visually speaking there's something about it that i that i really really like (laughs) so yeah so um just like on our podcast uh on mine i'm just asking the person that i'm interviewing to tell me their favorite song and i'm going to add that to my playlist for my podcast my favorite song i think and i will tell anyone i think it's the most beautiful, most beautifully written song in the world um, because I just, I think it encompasses what love truly is so much is In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. That has always been my favorite song. Yeah, isn't it nice that, I mean, there's so many great songs out there, but some just really resonate with you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and and I always like to hear the stories of why, um, you know, and certain albums. Why did this certain album affect you so much? Why is this your number one album? Because uh, everybody's got a different story. I probably wouldn't even have like a favorite album because I just don't even listen to music that way. Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Interesting. Yeah, I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but I couldn't even tell you what songs are on any albums. That was that was one of the albums of my my youth. I think it came out in 1991. I was a junior in high school. So, if you were to give advice to anybody, you know, if especially women growing up today, like what would you tell them? It's kind of out That's... of left field for you. That's all right. That self self worth is the most important thing you will ever have in your entire life. Value yourself and um, learn negative behavior and stay away from it. Like I learn to identify negative yes, behavior. Yes, yes. Sorry, learn to identify it because so many young women. Um, mistake those red flags for someone just caring about them and not what they truly are is red flags walking down the pathway to abuse or or mistreatment it um it's so it's such a problem with young women that feel like so many young women feel like they just want to be loved and that's the most important thing there is. And it's not. Oh, my dogs are out the dog door. Something something worth barking on out there. Um, you know, when I was talking with my stepdaughter when she was growing up, I uh, always told her that you never give somebody a second chance when it comes to abuse, you know. You have to be strong enough to walk away. And I think she thought I was crazy, but I just really didn't want, you know, I've read a lot. I've never personally been involved in that sort of thing, but I have always said to her, you know, it's so easy to keep making excuses for somebody because you have those caring feelings for that person. And I just don't want that, you know? Like, and it's so hard. That is absolutely true. It is so easy to make excuses. And it doesn't have to be just a, just a relationship as in boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be a parent. It could be a sibling. It could be a friend. Yeah. Um, some people are just abusive and, and, and just no matter how much love you give them or how much caring, they're going to they're not going to care. It's yeah. just going to get worse. Or their form of caring, what they perceive as caring is, you know, toxic to you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, because I think some people are in the mindset that what they're doing is for your good. And, you know, it isn't. Well, uh, I, yes. Some people really believe the lies they tell. Some people know, maybe think they're doing something wrong. And so they tell 
themselves little lies and they tell other people little lies and they really start to believe them. I, I have had much experience with that and um, there's nothing worse than a liar who believes their own lies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see, you know, I actually have concerns for the generations that are growing up because we're so removed from people now, you know, if you think about when you and I were growing up, when we were little, we were so exposed to people, but now it's so structured, you know, like they just see them in school or they see them specifically in activities, but really their major form of communication is via technology. Mm-hmm. You know, is it on while they're gaming and they're conversing that way? Is it texting, you know, and I think, you miss that component of learning to read somebody. You know, I have that criteria. If I get the creep vibe from somebody, I call them the guys or the people. I say guys because that's usually guys. The people I don't want to ride an elevator with. Like, I don't want to be trapped inside an elevator with that person. And and you can't get that if you're not around people. You don't get, you don't build up that assessment piece. Yeah, that sense. Yeah, the ability to sense that something's not right. Um, and so many times you may feel that, but you just tell yourself, um, oh, there's nothing wrong. I'm just being extra sensitive or um, this person did that. But, you know, I, I'm just I, I just read it the wrong way. No, a lot of times you read it the right way. Yeah, I actually saw somebody get interviewed a Oh, man, it's probably been about 10 years, but it was just so riveting. I just kept watching it. And it was listen to your gut instinct. You know, a lot of he cited so many cases of women that they knew something was wrong, but they felt it was wrong to think that that person might be bad. And so they kept on interacting with that person, you know, and then it would end in like a brutal attack or something like that. And I he explained that your brain is picking up on things that you're not really cognizant of. So you're getting that feeling, you know, cause you're just getting it from the surroundings or the people or the way they're acting. Yes. And when a child tells you that they don't like someone and they don't want to be around someone. Yeah. Do not make them be around that person. Exactly. Children do not have to give people hugs. No. People do not have to, to be affectionate towards people unless they want to. That's their choice. Now, I'm, I'm not all about children can do whatever they want. But in, in this instance, um, you know, kids, kids know. Yeah, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. Just like my pets, you know, if my dogs do not like somebody, I know there's a reason that I don't, I shouldn't like them too, you know? So whenever I have somebody come over, if they don't like somebody, I'm like, huh, I don't think they need to be around me. (laughs) Yeah. They're better at sensing it than we are. We've been conditioned to, to give people those chances and not jump to quick decisions. Yeah. All right, Kim. Um, do you have any final thoughts for your interview? I don't think so. Do you have any 
final questions for me? No, I think I really like your advice about, you know, children and, you know, recognize when something is going bad or when you have your own self behavior. Cause I think, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I was just never happy with myself. And now when I look back at my younger self, I'm thinking I should be so lucky, you know, was, was I not happy about what size I was or whatever, you know, I should be that lucky now, you know? Yeah. I, I and I'm the same way. I was never, I was a size probably four in high school and I thought I was so fat. And a lot of that had to do with, um, you know, people will sense your weakness and they will push that button as often as they could. So, um, I was, I was a chubby kid. And then when I got in high school, I was a size four, but I was still always inside that chubby kid. Yeah. Even as an adult. And it wasn't until really I hit my forties that I, I found that. And, and it was late. I was a late bloomer and finding comfort with myself. Um, I've never been uncomfortable with my looks. Um, you know, I've always, I've always known that I wasn't ugly. I am not Angelina Jolie. I am not Salma Hayek, but, uh, I'm not Charlize Theron and monster either. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I've always been comfortable with that, but I've never been comfortable with my body. And it wasn't until I was, like I said, in my forties that I've started to be comfortable and to be like, it's nobody's business, but mine. If you don't yeah. like it, you don't like it. It's fine. Um, but I wish that everyone could have that at a young age and not have to come to that realization four decades later. Yeah, I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin until I was probably late 30s, mm-hmm. where I was just kind of like, you know, I'm going to be what I'm going to be. So I should just focus on making myself happy. But it is interesting, you know, when you're out and about and you get those side eye looks from like other women or something or men. Oh, my gosh. Men. I don't. Well, here's the thing. I live in the South and they like they tend to like a big girl in the South. And I'm not and I'm not skinny and I'm not not you know, big, big, but I'm, I'm a chunky monkey. And, uh, I don't get those side eye looks down here. I get those. Hey, baby looks. <laughs> and, um, you know, women are, women are, it's, it's really weird. I, I have, I have people compliment me down here on a daily basis. And, and I'm not going to say that hurts my self-confidence. It, it, it doesn't, it helps. And I think as women, um, we need to do that to each other on a daily basis. I think it should always be done. I think if we see somebody that is smiling and they look happy, we should say, you know, you look really beautiful today. Or if they're wearing a, just a drop dead outfit, instead of just looking at them and, and thinking to yourself, you know, that's a really flattering outfit or that's a really beautiful outfit. We need to be more vocal to each other and we need to, to tell each other that. And I, I read this thing on Facebook and it was about a woman and a, her little girl walk into an elevator and there's a woman in the elevator and they, the three of them ride the elevator up and um, the woman 
without the child turns to the woman and says, you know, that's a beautiful, beautiful outfit. It just looks so, so wonderful on you. And the woman with the child says, well, well, thank you. You know, I was just thinking your hair is just so beautiful. It just looks really, really nice. And the woman says, thank you. And then the elevator door opens up and the little girl and her mother walk out and she says, mommy, is that woman your best friend? And the woman in the elevator reaches and stops the door and says, no, honey, we're women and we need to, to empower each other and tell each other that we're, that we're good and, and that we look nice and we need to compliment each other and not hold each other down. And so many women, I mean, and I've, I've done it myself in the past and I try not to do it anymore, but you know, we tear each other down. Yeah. We truly do. And, and we need to stop that because not getting political, but there is enough bastards in this world tearing us down right now. We don't need, we don't need to help you to help them out. Um, yeah, I think as women, we probably, that's what I kind of created this podcast. I wanted it to give advice, but I also wanted, you know, to give the opportunity for women to just be, you know, they should be able to be what they want to be. You know, you shouldn't have to fight against everything. And here comes the dog patrol. <laughs> Every time I hear you say Coco's name, I think of Un Poco Loco from the movie Coco. Oh, well, she's named Coco Chanel, but um, I call her Coco Bean. Hi, sweetie. I just um, think of the song. I don't know if you've heard the song, but. I probably have, but I just can't think of it. But she is, it's so funny because she's so badass. Um, Cooper, he's part pity, part lab, and she's. Um, part bull mastiff part we were told lab but I just don't think that's possible Um, and she is vicious she is a killer wow I mean like I've had dead two dead raccoons in our yard from her a dead possum yeah she's a she is a stone cold killer wow and Cooper you know Everybody says pit bulls, there's something bad about them, you know, but he's just so loving and he wants to sit in your lap and be cuddled and yeah, she's the killer. (laughs) I think, I mean, they just have a bad rap because they are so forceful uh, that if they're raised incorrectly, you know, and, and that's what it is. And It's just like people not liking people because they're a different color. Yeah. People don't like dogs because of their breed. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Yes, because if you would look at my dogs, the cuddly, fluffy one is the stone cold killer. And then the one that looks fierce is not. But see, I think pit bulls have the sweetest face. They do. I love pit bulls. Just their eyes. They just, they're just the sweetest face. Okay, well, I think um, my dogs have reached the point where they're going to be bad and naughty, and um, so I guess thanks for talking with me. Well, thanks for having me on your channel. All 
right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for episode two. I also wanted to do a shout out to the friends that reached out to me after my first episode and gave me feedback on the podcast and um, especially those that sort of contacted me and said that that was the message that they needed to hear right then. I hope you feel the same about Kimber's um, interview. You know, she says very valid points about women needing to make sure we're propping each other up instead of trying to tear each other down. But also, you know, recognizing when something is going wrong in a relationship, be it lover, husband, family, any sort of interaction with somebody that's going negative. I hope you take a look at that and think if is it doing it you is it doing you the best that it can or do you need to move on from that and so I hope you're going to join me for episode three and and thank you Hey everyone, this is Darcy. In case you weren't aware, in addition to the podcast you're currently listening to, I work on two other podcasts, The Lost Girls and Safety, The Future is Female. In The Lost Girls, my co-podcaster Kimber and I discuss anything vampire and supernatural related, and we review highly rated horror movies with our own spin. In Safety, The Future is Female, my co-podcaster Carly and I are creating a network of safety professionals with a nod to the growing number of women in the safety field. We interview women with various safety backgrounds and get their take on the future in safety. I would love it if you would join my audiences for my additional podcasts. You can find them on Apple, Google, and Spotify and many other pl- podcasting platforms. Thank you.